Rinse and repeat. Do you rinse and repeat, Bill Butler, when you're showering? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when I do my hair. (laughs) That's why I don't have any. (laughs) Good morning, everybody. I'm David Ayers. It's Free for All Friday. We've got a good show lined up for you today. Henry Kissinger, 100 years old, passing on. No great loss to Pierre, obviously, but, um, you know, everybody's got their opinions in the world. Brian McMillan, co-host. Good morning. Good morning. Checking in, looking well, thanks good. Thanks for inviting me back to the show today. Yeah, I got a suit on and everything. You're <laughs> making me look bad today, but <laughs> looking great. Saw you out at the uh, boat launch for um the the, re, uh, the renaming of al crier's boat which was donated to the palm coast yacht club it's yeah pretty it was, cool that was pretty cool it's going to lead the boat parade coming up we're going to talk about christmas and the largest boat parade in florida right here in palm coast and uh, i think they've got almost 100 boats is what they're uh, lined up to do so anyway hey good morning terry Bellato. Good morning. Good to have you back here with the uh, Flagler Free Clinic. A lot of good things that you guys do. And uh, a new, our new guest here today, Donna Griffin. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Is that pretty accurate? A lot of other things, too. But That's correct. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk today about uh, Christmas, the holidays. Uh, promo was, hey, it's the most wonderful time of the year. But why is it such a mixture of emotions with... Um, uh, you know, there's disappointment, there's anticipation, there's, um, you know, little kids. We've got teenagers that uh, kind of get lost in the middle of things and in life and all. And that. so that's why we have uh, Donna here. We can talk about the teens and, and Christmas and growing up and aging where, you know, parents, grandparents and, and all those kind of things. It's Christmas. I know, Brian, you're very, you know, religious, Christian dude and everything. Is, is Christmas happy and joyous all the time for you? It, I mean, just like any time in life, it's not always going to be happy and joyous. I mean, it is kind of, I, I think the word that you brought up, the expectations, uh, maybe that's just what I was thinking, but the expectations we have get so heightened because we expect, we want the traditions and we want everything to be so perfect. And then, you know, half these lights don't even work. We got to go buy no lights. And then we have to, well, you know, like there's always, and so I think sometimes the stress gets added onto it because we want it to be such a special time, which is a great motive, which is a great desire. You know, we, we want to have like good, make good memories and, and uh, hold on to those, but it, it can be stressful when it doesn't work out. Well, like you say, a lot of things can go wrong. I think the uh, Chevy Chase Christmas vacation is a good one where we can all kind of laugh at the you know things that, that go wrong. I thought that was fictional. No, what's that? No, I thought it was a documentary. <laughs> but anyway. Well, I, I'm about to uh, I'm about to interview uh, Rabbi Levizagi on my show Faith and Flagler coming up after after this. Hmm. Um, well, the recording is it's on Sundays at nine, um, but recently, you know, a couple of years ago, I went to the, uh, the lighting of the candles, you know, for uh, symbolically for, uh, for Hanukkah. And there was all this trouble getting the can the, those lit, you know, it's like, it's supposed to be this spiritual moment, you know, and everybody, but then like we're fumbling with the, the practicality of, of things in, in real life. And, I think that's kind of symbolic, you know, sometimes. So um, keeping a sense of humor, maybe not yeah. taking Christmas and all the expectations so seriously. Well, now that we get some free therapy here with Donna Griffin, <laughs> let's take full advantage of it here. What um, What is the mindset that 
uh, why some people love it and, and other people dread it, can't get away from it. It's in the stores. It's on TV. It's the movies. Here we are talking about it on the radio. It's like it kind of like takes over your life, whether you want it to or not, uh, from Thanksgiving to the first of the year. Is, um, you know, seems like we should be able to enjoy it and be more positive. Well, as Brian stated, <clears throat> it is the expectations. Having high expectations of others and yourself and the pressure of gift giving and even the cost of things now. Today, more than ever, inflation has really caused us a lot of stress around even just going to the grocery store. So affording the holiday meal, affording the gift giving causes a tremendous amount of pressure. Um, family time, being around family members that maybe you don't want to be around. The pressure to participate in family events. Um, no one has to show up at the table where respect isn't being served. So having boundaries, having um, a plan for the day, if you are going to be somewhere where you're thinking you might be a little bit more vulnerable, having a plan for the time you will spend, what you will do if certain behaviors arise while you're there, um, having an exit strategy, and just protecting and providing yourself with a lot of boundaries and self-care. How, okay, well that sounds like something a therapist would say. Um, <laughs> the but money. you make it sound so easy, you know? <laughs> like, why don't you just do that? <laughs> Um, but you are, it's a, you know, and, and here in Florida, there's a big separation of families, the, um, parents, grandparents, you know, kids, aunts, uncles spread out all over the country. Um, and, but, but it's interesting that all these things we talk about, it comes down to money. Um, money seems to be the root of all the, not the, you know, of, of the, of all the good things and the evil and the bad things and everything to it, you know, but how can we take money out of the equation for Christmas, there's got to be ways of enjoying it. Somebody had um, was it said that uh, church was that you told me uh, uh, some uh, a pastor at one of the local churches said um, this Christmas, don't make a commitment and tell everybody you're not going to spend more than five dollars on each person. Be creative. Sounds like something I would say, but I, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just got to convince my wife of that. Was that you that told me that? I, I did. <laughs> okay, Actually, sorry. I read a book. Okay. Oh, it's probably been 10 years ago now. Mm -hmm. And it was called, I think it was called The $5 Christmas. And it was a pastor who challenged all of his parishioners to not spend more than $5 mm -hmm. on any gift. And the gist of the book was that they really thought about what they were making or, and it had a lot more meaning to it. And it took all that stress of spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars away from his parishioners. And I, it, that book just really struck me. A lot of, I, a I lot of people that. I've, I've, well, at a recent event or something, they were asking like, what's your favorite holiday? And a lot of people said Thanksgiving because no presents none of that stress of buying and, and everything, but you, you, you have pressure to sometimes travel pressure to entertain pressure to get gifts. And what do you like? What am I going to do? Tell my kids like, sorry, we didn't really have much Christmas this year. Or you, so you end up kind of overspending that you didn't really have, but you're kind of hoping it'll work out and stressful. Well, and then on that, um, they say that, what was it? 30, 30% 30 of the people this year still are paying for last year's Christmas presents on their, uh, credit cards because the interest rate rates went up and in uh you know so inflation is definitely regardless of politics it's really hurting people 
every day. And um, Terry, with the uh, Flagler Free Clinic, um, you know, you do an awesome service to this community. But do you feel it with your uh, patients and clients? Absolutely. Our patients are really in a completely, I think, a completely separate uh, category. They are all very low income. So this Christmas that we advertise and we hear about isn't possible for them. It just isn't even close to possible for them. And um, I will say a lot of them find ways just to work around that. And they'll tell you, I enjoy my family and, you know, we get together and we have a potluck. But many, our rate of depression and anxiety, we have a social worker that works at our clinic and it just skyrockets. But it's also to me, there's and I don't mean this in a negative way to our society in general, but there's an insensitivity because we hear all of the beautiful music and the movies and all of that, and we forget that there's people who are really struggling in life to pay their rent, to, you know, they've lost loved ones, and it's annoying. This whole season is just very, very difficult. It's probably for a lot of reminders that, like, that's not really me. Like I'm not really part of that whole celebration because I can't really afford it. And it just emphasizes even more like the, a, a tough situation. It absolutely does. And so we, in the clinic, we see about a thousand people a year in our community. So you take that thousand people, that's a lot of people that are going through this. So at our clinic, we do our best just to kind of be old fashioned and make them feel welcomed and take some of that pressure off you know a little thing is on the way in this morning um i stopped at the family dollar right next to the uh, free clinic in the yellow building across from the uh, post office here in Benel. and i thought oh i got to get some christmas cards for the staff here or whatever so i bought a bunch of them it, it was eight it was rocking a guy standing out front smoking a cigarette goes hey man you can't go in yet till uh whatever and i go okay so i was standing there talking with him he was a, a cool guy didn't look like he had a whole lot of you know, ways and means, but in a good mood. And uh, then the girl opens the door and I go, after you, sir, you were here first. And he goes, no, after you. So I go in get the card standing in line, a few other people in line. And, uh, you know, they ring up like 22 Christmas cards. They were cheap ones, you know, whatever. And, um, and uh, the girl, she goes, oh, are you going to put money in these for somebody? And I go, yeah. And she goes, hey. And, the, and, and then I go, hey, come and work for me and you'll get one too. And guy behind me is like, you know, oh, yeah, whatever. I mean, so there was this great positive Merry Christmas uh, energy amongst t- people that never saw each other, never will again. And I thought, you know, that was a cool Christmas moment just for, you know, hey, Merry Christmas, same to you and, and all that kind of thing. So those little moments to me are high value on you know, something to it was a feel good thing. Bill Butler out at the, um, you know, you built the you did. I know you're going to give everybody else credit for it, but it wasn't for you. <laughs> there would not be fantasy lights out at the um, uh, town center, which is on right now. Correct. Correct. Yes. Okay, and and what motivated you to do that was the death of your daughter. Yes. And every year you get awesome. I mean, I, when I was in Rotary, you know, I really like volunteering and people coming in, and it wasn't about the money at all. It, it, the fantasy lights, it's free, and you just kind of come out there and, and feel it. And how many times do we say that? You know, we wish people would come out. Um, instead of staying at home, depressed or what, because all those little positive moments to me offset all the negative things on it. And yeah, you see we, it every year. We had some year. people come to uh, 
the front entrance there and and a little family and they walk up and they they see the donation box and their head just kind of dropped down and then they kind of talked and then they start walking away i said where are you going he says well we don't have any money tonight you know i no, come on it's free this is the one thing that you can come to and enjoy the holidays and it's free you know we take donations to our charitable organizations but but like david said it's, it's not the money and and an interesting story i had i was going to make a deposit at Intercoastal Bank, who's one of our sponsors, um, one morning from the night before, and the teller didn't know anything about Fantasy Lights, and I gave her a program, and I was kind of telling all about it and everything, and the guy next, in the next teller there was kind of listening, and he was kind of, it was like a Friday afternoon, he'd just come off work and, you know, working hard, and just, just look a, a, a blue-collar type of guy, and, uh, when I was done telling her, he came over to me and says, here, this is for you, $100 bill. He says, you're doing good. And, and that's exactly, you know, what you're talking about here. Yeah. A feel-good moment. But, but if you don't, you don't get out and interface with things or even the attitude of it, because the, the situation at the bank there, I mean, you know, it was great. The situation at the Family Dollar this morning, it's all about kind of, you know, how you put it out there. And if you are depressed and if you are feeling negative and all that internally eating you up, it's pretty hard to radiate something positive. And they probably hate hearing stories like this. So how do we, in a simple way here, Donna Griffin, our therapist of the morning here, how can you put things into perspective, I guess? It's very difficult at this time of year for a lot of people who are struggling to conjure up that joyfulness. And so one of the things that they can do is reach out. If you know somebody who's struggling, if you know somebody who's alone, if you know somebody who doesn't have a lot of people, reach out to them. And if you are struggling, although it's difficult, there are community programs for those who suffer with substance use disorders, which can um, take a hit this time of year. It can be more difficult for those who have substance use disorder to stay sober, attending those meetings, um, going to NAAA, they're available all the time for people to reach out to their communities if it's spiritual, to their churches, synagogues, temples, um, to get out there and connect with people. Humans need connection to survive. We're herd mentality. (laughs) And I just wanted to say one thing about depression. Although depression takes an uptick in the season, It's interesting to know that it's a myth that the suicide rates increase during the holiday season. In fact, December is the lowest of the suicide rates. Mm -hmm. And it's likely because of the opportunities that people have to connect with one another. Um, There's more family gatherings, there's more things happening in the community, there's more opportunity for those who are depressed to be around people. So the highest suicide rates typically are spring and summer, and um, therefore it's a little bit difficult to perpetuate this myth. It could be dangerous for those who are struggling. So I just Mm -hmm. wanted to dispel that. All right. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was just everybody assumed that, oh, well, you know, people go to the hospital even though they're not sick because they don't want to be alone and they want to rather be in a hospital bed getting, is that true? I worked in a hospital, actually, for seven years uh, in an ER, and people come to the hospital not because they don't want to be alone necessarily, but because they are depressed to a point that they are questioning 
whether or not they need to maybe go inpatient or get some resources for the for community services. Um, but that is a good theory. I mean, but nobody <laughs> wants to sit in an ER. <laughs> Trust and believe. I think that, um, it, you know, if, if you're listening and it's kind of, you know, this kind of category and you're like, well, I'd love to be a part of things, but I don't, you know, can't really afford it or whatever. But reaching out to somebody else and trying to do something nice for somebody else, this is my present to you. I'm doing this act of service for you. I mean, everybody benefits so much from that and, and it does uplift you so much to, to try to give what you can. Everybody can give. You may not be able to give money, but you can give so much to somebody just by having a conversation with somebody calling up somebody who you think might also be lonely and people appreciate it. And I think that it can go a long way for everybody involved. I, th I think you're right on that, you know, because it's like, if you go, all right, I'm going to go out and do 10 nice things for yeah. people today, you know, whether it be hold the door, just smile and say, Merry Christmas. And when, and it, by the way, I did notice on my whole thing was at Walmart, it's harder to get smiles back than it was, um, <laughs> when, you know, uh, years ago. Um, I don't know if they're not trusting or they're not focusing where you go, hey, you know, hey, Mary, you know, Merry Christmas or hey, how, you know, whatever to it. Um, it's like people are just stressed, you know, they're like focusing on things. So I don't think they're being rude or anything, but it's just like it's not the thing. But then when somebody you see them like light up and go, oh, wow, hey, thank you. You know, I don't know. I get endorphins out of that. Is that is that what I'm getting, doctor? Or <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, kindness. Talk about David's brain chemicals. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like so easy for me to strike up some endorphins here. But, yes. Kind um, kindness, humility, and grace go a long way. Well, I mean, just like at the, the store. Hey, um, we're going to go to Dr. Nilesh Diawani here with Advent Health. And uh, one of the things on the promos we were talking about is, you know, how do you find happiness? How do you, what is the definition? Here, let me ask you this. What is, Donna, what is the definition of happiness? That's a really good question. Um, well, I guess that uh, happiness is very subjective, right? And I think that if you are living your best life, um, you feel connected to people in your family, friends. Um, you have enough sustainability in, in your life to provide for the basics. And really, what are your expectations? Happiness can mean different things for different people. Um, there are some people who aren't happy, who have a lot of money, for instance. You know, I've known people who were millionaires and can't find happiness. Um, because maybe there's something within them that they're struggling. And so I don't think it's a material thing whatsoever. I think it's something within yourself that defines your happiness. Um, have you had any trauma? Have you had any distressful events that have happened in your life that maybe you need to heal from and get some help from? Um, that could be preventing um, you from being happy. And Again, are you connected um, spiritually, um, socioeconomically? How's your life going in all those areas? So I think it's a broad spectrum happiness, and I don't think it has much to do with material things at all. It's more internal. What are those internal resources? Who's in your life? What do you have going on, and what's preventing you from being happy? And if there's something preventing you from being happy, going out and getting seeking help for that is um, going to be beneficial for your life. Well, it's all in the brain, right? Everything, everything, everything we feel in our whole life is in the brain, correct? 
And our brain is just a big mess of chemistry going on. Would you agree with that? It's a big energy system. Big energy system. Well, instead of us amateurs talking about it, let's go to <laughs> Dr. Nalesh Diolani. And uh, good morning, doctor. Good morning, guys. How are you? How's everyone doing? We're doing great. We're talking about finding... By the way, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you, sir. To you as well. Um, okay, you're a doctor, and uh, you you understand the, the the chemistry of things and prescriptions. And hey, you know, if I'm feeling depressed and down, what's wrong with coming to you and giving me a prescription where I feel good? Uh, so absolutely nothing is wrong. Uh, as we think about you know disease processes, including mental health disorders, which are actual disease processes. Um, we think about its effect that the neurochemical system in our brain is kind of causing, right? And we develop symptoms as a result. Those symptoms can be, you know, forms of sadness or depression or significant anxiety and palpitations. And speaking with a healthcare provider to determine if you need treatment is definitely the first step when you're trying to get care for yourself. So if somebody so comes I, to, well, if, if, I mean, so there's nothing wrong with saying, look, I just can't seem to get myself to feel good about everything. I feel like I should, but I just don't, you know, wake up in the morning. I feel, you know, I go to bed, I feel drained. I don't have any, like, you know, zest for life or whatever to it. That could be a chemical imbalance that all the Donna Griffins in the world, you know, wouldn't be able to get you back on track. Is that, a, is that anywhere near accurate? Yeah, that's, so that's exactly right. When we think about depression as a disease process or anxiety as a disease process, uh, we try to tackle it two, with two fronts. Um, we know, you know there's enough data out there to suggest that medications that we use, primarily SSRIs, uh, which are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, um, work very well to treat depression and anxiety concurrently with therapy. How do you know, doctor, if you are just like, you know, maybe you're stressed at work and maybe like really the job is just not a good fit for you, for example. How do you know if it's like you actually need a new job or do you need a prescription? Correct, yeah. So that is a, that's something that we actually try to evaluate when you come in to see us as physicians. Uh, diagnoses of major depressive disorder or generalized anxiety disorder, they're very specific. Uh, there's certain criteria that we kind of go through through an evaluation here in the office to determine if you are candidate for medication or not. Now, not everybody is a candidate. There are, you know, acute stress and uh, acute stress disorders. Um, we call them some of these adjustment disorders, and some of these actually don't meet requirements for medications. And we would usually then refer to cognitive behavioral therapy, psychology, support groups, etc., as treatment alone. Is that is that um, some, sometimes people may be disappointed by that, like? I thought that I was going to come in and maybe get a medication and then I would feel better. But really, you know, you might have to tell them that they need to do make some other changes instead of that. that might be right. Good. So the changes, the changes are chronic, right? The, the kind of psychological evaluation and therapy and the psychological work that we do in all sorts of psychiatric disorders are kind of primary. Um, so that will include generalized anxiety disorder or major depressive disorder, as well as things like adjustment disorders or acute stress, where only therapies, you know, used for treatment. Most patients are receptive to that. I've rarely had patients that tell me, hey, I really want a medication. 
uh, I don't want to do therapy. It's usually the other way around where, hey, can I just try therapy alone? I'm hesitant to take medications because of side effects, et cetera. So I spend most of my time when I'm talking to patients uh, explaining the benefits of the medication and tell them that, hey, you are a good candidate for it or, hey, you don't need one. Let's just do therapy alone. Is, is DNA a, a part, a big part of this kind of thing? Like, you know, we're all dealt the cards through birth of what our DNA is. Is it hereditary for depression within uh, families because of the physiology or the um, chemistry in the brain? Yeah, that's, a, that's another very good question. And unfortunately, one we don't have significant amount of data behind. Um, we know that there's definitely some sort of hereditary pattern to it. Uh, it could be genetic. It could also be psychosocial, right? Because the same people that are giving you your genes, you grow up with your whole life, for the most part. So to say that it's genetic versus behavioral is a very difficult thing to note. Um, most people would agree that it's likely a combination of both. Okay. Um, the we, oh, Do you see, a, is there an uptick with you, with patients and in depression and things with the holidays, or is that over-exaggerated? Um, so I see it throughout the year, to be honest. I wouldn't say that I see a significant uptick during the holiday period. Uh, I think part of that is likely people aren't coming to see me if they're only experiencing it during the holidays. Because for them, it's they can identify the stressors. They're associating their symptoms with the fact that they have to deal with some of the stress associated with the holiday time. Um, so I don't see it here in my office as much, but I do deal with depression and or anxiety on a daily basis multiple people every single day so it is very common otherwise and i know we're talking to you between patients so we're gonna get you out of here in just a few minutes and we appreciate your time this morning but um with the medications um they can have almost an instant positive effect on people right they can yeah so what we usually start with are medications called SSRIs, uh, commonly medications like Zoloft or Prozac, et cetera. There's some older ones, some newer ones. Um, and how they work is our brain naturally produces serotonin. Uh, an SSRI is a reuptake inhibitor. So all we're preventing when we give somebody an SSRI is the breakdown of serotonin in our brain. All chemicals have a natural production and breakdown. So there's a half-life. There's a timeline on which the chemicals will work. So we're just having it hang around longer, slowing down the breakdown of serotonin. And we've noticed that because of that, you know, higher frequency of serotonin being around, we have positive effects from the medication. So this, we could do a whole show, I guess, on serotonin. I've got a lot of questions about that. So every human being uh, brain can produce serotonin in, in some degree or another, right? A hundred percent. They all do, actually. And so that's the feel-good chemical that we all like to have? Correct. That's the one that we call as our feel-good chemical. But again, everybody produces it. Everybody has it. It's just some people need serotonin to hang around a little bit longer than it normally does. All right. Well, let, let me... Uh, so what sparks the brain to go, yeah, let's get some serotonin? Like uh, your, like uh, last night, the um, Dallas Cowboys, they won. You know, is that all those Cowboys fans had a big surge of serotonin? <laughs> Yeah, so most likely, it's all very much psychological and emotional responses that causes surges of serotonin in our brain. And then when something bad happens, like the team they played um, and they lose, do people, does the serotonin, like, is it offset? And, um, you know, what, I mean, I can see this battle back and forth all day long with the brain of, Correct. do I feel good, don't I feel good, do I feel good, don't I feel good? 
Yep. Yeah. So it's a, such a complex question. We don't really know totally how our neurochemical imbalances or balances function in relation to you know emotional encounters regularly. We know that serotonin has a positive effect on the body, but similarly, when people are sad, sometimes you'll see a spike in serotonin. Uh, we don't really know why that is, um, but we do know that the medications, when we use them to treat these mental disorders, are actually effective. Similarly, exercise, just as a fun fact, also effective. We don't know if it's equal to the medications. We just know that it's a non-zero, as in exercise does help treat anxiety, depression, etc. So if, if we need to do more things that... Um that spark the serotonin in our brain, right? So that's like, like sports. Yeah. Like, hey, if you're in sports or if you, you go to church and it's like, hey, Jesus, like that, and everybody feels good. Um, the, the people that are, you know, positive and singing, right? And, and, uh, and so, so maybe we don't get enough serotonin because we don't do enough things to, um, to spark it. Yeah, and you bring up a really good point. So a lot of my counseling when I talk to patients regarding their depression or anxiety, uh, I tell them that it's multifactorial. We try to treat this from multiple fronts because we know that it's, it treats best when you deal with it from multiple fronts, which is why we do therapy. I usually recommend some form of exercise. Uh, for some people, that could go from nothing to walking. For some people that are walking or swimming regularly, I say, hey, maybe it's time to hit the gym or play a sport, try out pickleball, something to help you you know, do some form of activity. Use your support system around you. Go to church if, support, if your support system is your faith. That's fine. You should you know, lean into that a little bit. For some people, it's their family. So I say, hey, maybe talk to your family about your issues, and you may notice some help there. From other people, they say, hey, hey maybe you need to avoid your family for a little bit. It can vary from person to person. Yeah. All right. The, uh, the median age is, I think, around 61 in Palm Coast. Um, what, what, what do you see with age ranges in, in your practice like i'm also curious about the the therapy with with that too like different stages of life yeah so in terms of what therapy kind of targets um they discuss different things based on the stages of life but in terms of the actual disease process it doesn't it doesn't discriminate between age i'll see 60 70 80 year olds that have depression sometimes from isolation because their families are far away they've moved down or their kids have grown up and they're you know moved on for work etc um but similarly i see 20s 30s even children teenagers that are experiencing depression as well just for different reasons okay hey doctor i know you got a patient waiting uh dr Dilani with advent health here right in palm coast and are you at the new um new hospital no, I'm actually in the town center next to the old hospital. Oh, okay. All right, great. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Um, we'd love, love to have you back on with a lot of things we could talk about, okay? For sure, anytime. All right, Take be care, safe. Guys. Thank you. Well, we should start a serotonin uptake club here. <laughs> Isn't there one? No, that's the Sertoma Club. All right. Hey, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Free for all Friday. Slumpy, it's bumpy, and your driveway is dumpy. Call RD and Sons Paving. They've been paving since 1959. Driveways, walkways, stone and gravel, repairs too. They beat competitor prices. RD and Sons Paving, 386-302-3406. You're invited to the Flagler Free Clinic's annual holiday open house, Friday, December 8th, 4 to 7 p.m. Enjoy food, drink, live music, tour the clinic, and meet the team that provides free medical and dental care to our community. We're across from the Bunnell Post Office. See you there. If somebody 
Knox on your door or a telemarketer's on your phone, you know it's not us. Hi folks, this is Bill Gallagher with SolarFit. If you've been thinking about solar, we want you to knock on our door or call us. SolarFit's been a part of this community for over 47 years and our customers love us. Couldn't say it if it wasn't true. Now's the time to go solar for your home or business. Give us a call at 445-7606. Solar fit your life and set yourself free with the sun's free energy. It's new. The Palm Coast Report. Your number one source for all local news, all in one place. Palm Coast Report. Local news you can trust. Truth meter verified. Follow on Facebook or online at palmcoastreport.com. 942 free for all Friday and uh, wish you a very Merry Christmas and happy holidays and all those kind of things. If you just tuned in, uh, Donna Griffin is our licensed marriage and family therapist. We got to have you back because we want to know more about you. We just kind of threw you into it here this morning. That's okay. Um, but you work here locally with families and marriage counseling and things you've been before the show. You were telling me you've been doing this almost your whole life, right? Yes, I started in the human services field at 19 years old, and I worked for 16 years uh, as a social worker on the bachelor level, and for the last 25 years um, as a licensed therapist. So I've been doing it for a long time. And you obviously love it. I do. Yeah. I mean, and you've heard everything. What's the, what's the weirdest, most bizarre um, patient or client that came to you where you went, holy <laughs> cow? Ah. Uh, you know, I don't think I consider anything weird or bizarre, but I do have a lot of um, people coming in for trauma, as that's my specialty. So I'm an EMDR provider. That stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And that deals with um, healing the brain. So a lot of talk therapies are helping therapies, but EMDR therapy actually heals the brain, and it's really important that people do trauma work. Uh, we consider the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, just a big book of trauma. And a lot of the symptoms of depression and anxiety can be traced back to trauma. And mm -hmm. so the, the things I hear are big things, not so much weird, but big things like first responders, combat trauma, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, things of that nature. Mm. Things that you just can't say, hey, just forget about it and move on. Correct. Or yeah. maybe somebody had a death in the family that they really have not be, been able to fully move on from. Because it's complex trauma. So there's grief, which is normal grief, but if you can't move on from grief, usually there's something that happened that's complicating that trauma so there has to be some deeper work done for that hmm, okay um well it's got to be in your dna to uh to do what you do and to be so you know i, I think it is and like terry blood you and and a lot of people at the free clinic i mean you know because it's it's not a career to take because you want to be a gazillionaire and live in a ten dollar <laughs> ten million dollar mansion on hammock beach or something um, but at the same time, like you said uh, before, that money isn't always the, you know, the money can be the, um, you know, the cause of, of depression and everything else. And, you know, so I think, you know, we're, but the people that come to you really need help. And without you, where would they possibly, if there was not a free clinic in Flagler County, what would all these people do? Honestly, they would be in the emergency room with very severe uh, conditions so we try and keep them out 
of the emergency room, one of the shocking things for me when I came to the free clinic nine years ago was that our patients are seriously chronically ill with with diabetes and seizure disorder because they haven't had access. Mm-hmm. They can't private pay and they can't afford insurance. So our team makes a huge difference, but I think even as importantly, our, our volunteers and our volunteer team, because I think for me, when you're involved in something that's helping a large group of people, that really gets those endorphins going and you feel valuable. And at the clinic, you don't have to be a physician. You know, you don't have to be a registered nurse. You can have a skill set. And every volunteer that comes and signs up with us, I sit with and I say, what do you like doing? What's your passion? And we find a something that works for the clinic. So I think that helps on both ends. You know, a lot of people don't know actually what you do. And um, the tour, he gave me a tour last year of it. And I was like really impressed that it's, it's dental. It's like a dentist. You know, so give us, you got 30 seconds to give us a, what does the uh, Flagler Free Clinic do? So we provide free medical and uh, our dental program was on suspension, but it's coming back in January. Free medical and dental care for the medically uninsured and lower income members of our community. But the amazing thing is it's done with about a team of about 60 volunteers, all of our medical providers, doctors, uh, nurse practitioners, a lot of specialists. We actually have a neurologist that volunteers at the clinic. So we run with 60 volunteers and four paid staff members. So what is the, I don't even know the definition of poor. Probably it's not even the right word to use. Oh, the poor people. Right. I try not to ever use that. Um, We we care for patients who are 200% or below the federal poverty level. But our- What uh, is that? Um, it depends on the family size, but for instance, a single person, uh, their gross is somewhere in the $3,200 a month range. So it's not poor people. It's people who are working um, minimum wage jobs or even a little more than that. And it's families. So it, it definitely increases. Well, you don't think, ah, son, we're not poor. We just ain't got no money. All right. <laughs> So, but at the same time, you know, we do the million dollar foodathon where, um, and, you know, and with the inflation and stuff, I mean, people that shouldn't be struggling with working, you know, two, three jobs, uh, trying to make car payments, trying to make it pay for insurance, trying to pay for food, the kids for the soccer and the shoes and the and blah, 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 blah. I mean, it, you almost have to be rich to not be poor. There's hardly any in between. Right. Exactly. And our state association is actually working uh, with our state government trying to raise that level because there's, um, you know, uninsured and then underinsured. And at the clinic, we're actually working on a certification that's going to take us a few years. But once we get it, we'll be able to develop a sliding scale for those folks who don't qualify for free free care. Well, I know the um, the cost of some of these medications, you know, both of you know it, how it's like thousands of dollars a month for a bottle of pills that keep you from going off the cliff kind of a thing. I mean, so can the free clinic, if somebody has no way of doing that, can you help them? We do in, in a couple of ways. One, there are two online services for free medications for free clinics, Direct Relief and AmeriCares. We have a volunteer pharmacist. We actually have two volunteer pharmacists. So they go online and they order meds every week when the window opens. And so a lot of our patients are able to leave with the medications that they need. The other thing is, and I'll use insulin as an example, we've all heard about the price of insulin. 
Not one of our insulin-dependent diabetic patients could afford insulin. So every single one of them, we get on patient assistance programs from the manufacturer, which is free. But that's a tremendous amount of paperwork. It has to be redone sometimes monthly, sometimes every six months, but we get that done. So our patients don't go without medication. So who can come? Somebody listening right now to the radio saying, you know, I don't want to be a burden to society and I don't want to be considered poor even though I ain't got no money um you know what how would they come to you and and how can you be of service to them well first of all I want to reassure people that when you come into the free clinic and David you went for a tour and uh I think Brian's been there before you do not walk in and feel like you're in a poor person's clinic at all. We pride ourselves in operating like a professional physician's office. And we treat everyone with dignity and respect. But what they can do, they can come into our clinic Monday through Thursday between the hours of 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. No appointments needed. It takes about 15 minutes, 20 minutes to sign up. Um, You self-declare your last four weeks income. So we're not going back a year. You know, it's right now. So you might have lost your job boom they can become a patient so with pride people in flagler county can get medical services soon to be again dental services with pastor solano grace community food pantry you can get some food and all these things free up cash so that you can pay your rent you can pay your electric bill you can uh you know buy the kids something for christmas or whatever but there's a lot of people that uh, we've run into that feel like, you know, that, uh, there's people worse off than me, and I don't want to take from them. Well, at, I can only speak for the free clinic. We make really good use of our funding. In fact, I'm proud to say that our 2022 financial audit showed that 94% of the funds we get in are used for patient services. We're really good with little money. Um, so we don't turn anyone away. And there's always room. I We work people in. If they come from the emergency room or a hospital or they move to the state and now they don't have medicine, at our clinic, we'll work in within a week to 10 days to see a provider and see. you know be able to take care of you. So people don't get turned away from the free clinic unless you make an awful lot of money. And then we have to, because that's just how the rules roll. But, right, you, yeah. you got a special door for those people but trying to take advantage of it. very few people don't qualify to come for the free, to the free clinic. And it's a historic, bu- it's a historic building you have there. So. I'm so proud to be in Dr. Kanakris's old office. Yeah. It's really, it is nice to be in a historic building here in Bunnell. Hey, we were uh, promoting, we were teasing that uh, Bill Butler with Fantasy Lights has some spooky stories to tell that happen out there. We're going to, first of all, give us a little shorter, you know, we're running short on time here, but kind of give us a little overview about how this all came about and Tiffany and how many years the uh, uh, Rotary Club of Flagler County has been doing this. Well, this is uh, the story behind the lights. It's, uh, this is our 18th year and uh, um, it started all in Evansville, Indiana, uh, where we uh, moved from and uh, uh, there was a holiday light display there we went home to see some family for the for the holidays and saw this light display we we drove in our car through it it was a drive-through we videotaped it uh, uh, my two daughters uh, Tiffany and and Brooke they they just loved it and when we got home it's all Tiffany could do was watch that video it says dad you've got to get this in Palm Coast so we really need this well this was back in 1997 I said honey I'm 
I'm not in any organization. I don't know that many people here. I, it takes a lot of money to do this, and, and it's just and the community isn't very large right now. I said it'll it'll you know the time will come, honey. Well, well, we can we'll do this. I promise we'll do this. Well, unfortunately, she passed away from a heart condition in 2002, and I joined Rotary in 2003, and uh, they started talking about getting a different kind of fundraiser, and uh, I uh, felt this little finger tapping me on the shoulder, Dad, it's time. And uh, so I, I floated the idea behind the club, uh, had mixed reactions, but uh, they finally agreed to say, let's, let's try to do it. And uh, this was in September. Uh, I went out on Tiffany's birthday on September 13th and sold my first display. And uh, it was the Old Man Winter from Klein Construction. It was a $10,000 display and we were off and running. So by December, we had 16 displays and uh, the rest is history. How, um, many, how many do you have now? We have 55 now. Very cool. And it's amazing the community involvement this, this event has. This is, what is one of the things that makes me the happiest is that, uh, you know, the people sitting here, uh, Brian McMillan with The Observer, he's our uh, media sponsor. Uh, David Ayers here, they, they sponsor the uh, uh, Jim Guy's Art Gallery for the children's artwork in the front. And the free clinic has a display there. And uh, Advent Health, who we heard from the doctor there, they're one of our presenting sponsors. So, um, you know, it, it just involves so many people and uh, gives so many people satisfaction. The students help us set it up and take it down from the high schools. And uh, we have volunteer groups. And we couldn't do it with all this. Like David said, it's not not me. It's it's everybody else. But I'm kind of the glue that holds things together, I think. There's also performances. There's little, you know, Santa you can take pictures of Santa and all kinds of things like that. To me, um, you know, my kids have liked it over the years and everything. But for me personally, that story about Tiffany and why it's there, that's what makes me want to go every year because it, it's, it's sort of like this amazing tribute also to, you know, one, one kid, one girl. And that makes, that makes a big difference to me as well. The, um, it is magical. And um, for people listening, yeah, I've heard about it, whatever, you know, the whole thing. I'm just telling you, if you don't go out there at least once or twice with a, a nice full moon and the stars, <clears throat> the city has a Bose sound system, which is around the whole lake. So it's just like real high quality, nice Christmas music. And there's benches where you can just stop and, uh, and just sit and, and say hi to people walking by. You can take your dog out there, right? Free dog bones still. Uh, yeah, we, we need to get some out there this year. I got it yet. But, but uh, it's more so much better than out. a drive-through, David. I mean, that's the way it started. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, but the walking event is just so, so more, so much more interaction with the public and, and feel good. People meet people and, and form friendships. Um, uh, they have traditions. Families come out every year on certain nights. We have uh, people getting their picture taken with their kids in front of the mm. – 12 days of Christmas, like he's two years old. We're taking his picture on number two this year. Next year, he comes back and get his picture in front of number three. So it's kind of kind of neat. There. It's, really. on, it's on the front page of the Observer this week. If you yeah. Wanna, yeah. By the way, good get job. more details. Yeah, good job of all the different things going on. There's so many we can't get. All right. So uh, I was teasing the program here about spooky stories you have from Fantasy Lights. All right. So tell us um, a spooky story. Well, I have several, but one of them kind of <laughs> sticks out. Um, 
uh, every night uh, or every every year before our opening night, I like to go out and check all the light displays, make sure the bulbs are replaced and there's no burned out bulbs or bulbs that need tightening. And I had a crew with me a few years ago of like three or four people, and we were doing this, and one by one they kept dropping off and going home. And, and it was kind of a cool night. It was 10 o'clock at night. I was the last one there, and there was nobody in the park. I mean, nobody even walking around. And I'm up on this ladder about 14 feet up in the air and trying to get a bulb replaced in the star at the nativity. I thought this nativity has to be perfect, you know. So I'm up there, the, the ladder's starting to wiggle. I've got my hand up there and I'm thinking, I don't know if I should be doing this. And all of a sudden I hear a voice, <laughs> you need some help? And I look down and there's a man down there. And I said, sure, yeah, that'd be great. You know, can you hold the ladder for me while I get this bulb changed out? Sure, sure. So I'm taking the bulb out and putting the new one in and I hear him say, you realize I'm a priest? I said, oh, well, that's, that's a coincidence. That's, that's really nice. And so I got the bulb replaced. I started coming down the ladder. I pick up my box of bulbs to go back to my golf cart. And I, and I was going to thank him again. I look around. He was gone. He was nowhere. There was nobody in that park. And it was just seconds after he talked to me. And he, he couldn't have got away even if he ran that quick. So uh, it, it's just, it, it just gives me chills when I tell that story because, yeah, there is some magic going on. Mm. Tell me one more quick one with the uh, brother-in-law or something. Oh, Carl Andre, who is a longtime member of the community. He he handles our audio visuals for our performances. And I came there early one night uh, to gate and take donations. And Carl was setting up over there. And it was just him and I and a few people hadn't opened yet. And uh, this gentleman walks up to me and he says, hey, is Carl Andre here? I said, yeah, he's over there at the stage setting up. He says, yeah, well, I'm, I'm his brother-in-law. I just wanted to, to see him. I said, oh, okay, well, that's good. And I said, uh, by the way, I, I just brought all my stuff out here. I got my donation box with my money. I know you're related to Carl. You must be a good guy. Uh, can you watch this money while I go back to the trailer and get what I forgot? And he said, sure. So I go to the trailer, get the stuff. I come back, and Lord and behold, he's still there. <laughs> and uh, I said, thank you for doing that. And he says, fine. And he, he walked off and um, set up. The event started. The performance was going. And when the performance was done, Carl walks over to see how, how I'm doing. And, and I said, oh, did your brother-in-law catch up with you? And he says, he, I, he had this look on his face, like of astonishment. And he says, that's impossible. And I said, why? He says, he died six months ago. And I, he said, describe him to me. So I described what he looked like. He says, that's him. And so... Mm. Well, not that, not that I doubt your story, but with us is Carl Laundry right now. Hey, Carl. <laughs> Hey, how magic, you doing? The magic of radio. All right, Carl, did you just hear the story Bill Butler told? Yes, I did. Is it accurate? Yes, it is. Is that spooky or what? What? what <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you make sense out of that story? Well, you know, Eddie was. It's my uh, wife's brother. He's a, a Vietnam vet, Purple Heart, and uh, I had been to his funeral, of course buried in the uh, veterans, uh, uh, what do you call it, cemetery up in Jacksonville. And, uh, you know, I have one other brother-in-law, but he lives in Green Bay, Wisconsin, so I knew it wasn't him. And uh, Bill comes up and he says, your brother-in-law was here. And I went, what? <laughs> My brother-in-law has been dead for, you know, six months or more. And uh, cremated, in fact. So I... Um, questioned him, asked him what he looked like, and he went through the whole thing, and sure enough, it was, and I brought a picture of Bill to kind of confirm that's who he saw, 
and that's who he saw. It, uh, Eddie's one of these was one of these people that was uh, one of these people that could uh, win a bingo, um, pick scratch scratch off cards, and win. And you know, he just had a, a great sense of I don't know intuition or whatever it was, but apparently it was him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have no other explanation. So it brings so. <laughs> it brings more than the community together out there. <laughs> See, I'm one, of, I'm, I'm one of these guys that I have never seen a flying saucer. I've never seen a ghost. <laughs> I've never seen nothing. And I well, so, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, Bill, uh, David. Interview the guys who do the lights in St. Augustine. They will tell you very interesting mm-hmm. stories. Okay. All right. They run in they, because they climb in the attics of those old buildings. Mm-hmm. And they run into people. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, we will. Yeah, with the uh, St. Augustine, the Knights of Lights and all that. Hey we're, right, right. hey, we're running out of time, but Carl, I did promise you could give a plug for the library thing you're doing real quick. Right. We have a li- uh, library book sale tomorrow, 930 to 2.30. Take cash, checks, or credit cards. Something new. We take credit cards. And also a bake sale. And great deals. If you're looking for somebody's hard to buy for, find out who their favorite authors are, come out, and for a few dollars, you can get a hardbound book. That could um, be the $5 Christmas present we're talking about. <laughs> okay, I like it. Yeah, it's, I've, I've never been able to walk away from a book, book sale without getting something. Mm. We have CDs, of course. If people still have CD players, they can pick up CDs for cheap, and uh, DVDs, all kinds of stuff. It's, it's great, and and there's food, so <laughs> how can you lose? Three, it's uh, indoor and outdoor at the entrance to the library, and it'll go on from 9.30 to 2.30. All right. And the bake, sale, the bake sale has a lot of fans. Everybody comes for the, for the, for the sweets. Okay, so, and that's the uh, library, uh, Palm Coast Library. At, right, 2500 uh, Palm Coast Parkway. All right. Carl, thanks a lot, brother. Really appreciate you, okay? All right. Take care. Take care, Bill Butler. Oh, you too, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) And after that, you can come over to Fantasy Lights at 5 o'clock to 9 o'clock, and the city holiday marketplace is going on. So uh, there'll be all kinds of activities going on and and food trucks. And so uh, tomorrow night will be a big night to come out if you're interested. All right. Very good. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate what you do. Hey, we're way out of time here, but uh, Terry Belletto, you get a final word of wisdom for our listeners. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's stressful. Well, I just hope everyone will just, I guess, remember during this holiday season that the person you're talking to, you don't know what they might have been going through. So, you know, just be sensitive. Be, be kind. kind. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Donna Griffin. How do we get a hold of you anyway? With the if people that go, yeah, you know, she sounds like somebody. Can you be... Um, employed by somebody for their family or themselves? I can. I have a profile on psychology today. I have a phone number and um, I don't, that's it. <laughs> okay. So, well, well, um, well, give us your phone. Can you give us your phone number? I can. Okay. It is 760-522-4111. All right. And now give us some free advice. Oh, I just really feel like during this holiday season, it's very important to engage in a lot of self-care, um, have a plan, be prepared, um, take a walk in nature, connect with people, and again, human connections. We're social beings. We need it to survive. Very good. Thank you for being. We'll have you back, okay? You were a great guest on there. Thank both. you. And uh, Brian McMillan. I just want to say thanks to all those volunteers like that work at Fantasy Lights, all the volunteers that that do the free clinic. I mean, 
that's what really makes the community such a great place. So thanks to everybody who's doing that and have a great weekend. All right. Be safe. Take care. Be kind and go out and find some of those <laughs> serotonins that uh, you got in your brain and unleash the serotonins. That could be a new campaign anyway. <laughs> have a good weekend. County for over a decade. WNZF, 1550 AM, 94.9 FM, and W235 CW Benel.